Welcome to the e-commerce growth show brought to you by Segmentify. So, well, hello everyone. This is Carlos again for another episode of the uh, e-commerce growth show by Segmentify with Scott Emans and we have here today Brian Lang. So, Brian, um, Scott will introduce the the the, the uh, you know your bio and uh, a bit about a few words about you, but I just want to tell you again that I've been listening to uh, your podcast since 2017, I guess. Wow, long time listener. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I used to work a lot for a company called Vtex. It's an e-commerce platform. Yeah. Uh, they, yeah. Now they're they're making a splash in in the US. They're you know they um, just they acquired uh, um, uh, work area. Yeah. Correct. That was a big deal. Yeah. And so I worked very closely with their founder, Mariano. I don't know if you heard of him. So, you know, I, I'm more like a marketer and I needed to understand a lot of uh, the e-commerce world. So your podcast was one of the first ones that I came across. Um, and so it was really interesting. I, I learned a bunch. So thanks for that. <laughs> no, no, thanks for listening. I'm no. glad you could put up with me for since 2017. <laughs> <laughs> Great, man. So, uh, Scott, yeah, maybe you can, you know, open up, introduce yeah, Brian. Of course. Um, and uh, we get to it. Yep. All right. Thanks, Carlos. Now, now that you've established yourself as a true fanboy. Of course. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so, you know, looking, you know, uh, so Brian uh, Lang, uh, we're happy you joined us today. If you, if you look at, you know, kind of the, the Brian's history uh, you know, which I had to dig around a little bit. Usually I can go find like speaker bios and stuff, you know, when I have a guest. And I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't really find that uh, for you. So I just sort of had to rely on what LinkedIn, you know, had to tell me, right, in terms of history. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, so, you you know, if you look back, uh, you know, to 2012 leading up to today, right, you've done, you know, sort of varying roles that were all uh, very commerce and e-commerce focused. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, and you've jumped through, you know, uh, uh, some positions longer than others. Uh, you know, I noticed that there was, uh, you know, some, you know, some decent stretches, that, you know, with some consulting and, uh, you know, kind of uh, uh, groups that go in and, and give advice, you know, on, you know, how to uh, be better. Uh, uh, you know, I, at commerce. And then, you know, there were some short stints, like uh, I saw an amazingly short little stint at Amazon. Uh, <laughs> Good stories uh, there. Yeah. Wait, how, uh, how, how much can we edit this afterwards? No, <laughs> <I'm just kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, but, but you, you have, you know, you have been part of the evil empire, at least for a few months. Uh, yep. And, uh, uh, and then you get closer to today and, uh, you know, uh, you've been doing uh, your own very successful and highly regarded and very well rated podcast, Future Commerce. Uh, since 2016, I believe. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, so uh, you know, quite a while. And and you, uh, you have uh, you know where this this particular show, our show, is in its infancy. You are you know, uh, it's a yours is a very mature platform with a uh, with a big following, including Carlos uh, 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 as a fan. And uh, even I uh, met you through your future commerce uh, show. I was, I was on the show back in its infancy in 2016. Yep. Uh, and if anybody wanted to go and review that episode, I, I probably said a lot of stuff that didn't come true. 
uh, <laughs> uh, back in 2016. It would be interesting to, to see, you know, uh, I was right in the, I was in the middle of being, you know, Mr. Innovation at Neiman Marcus uh, uh, at the time. And so that's what we talked about. And then I, and then I rejoined you in 2019. So I've been on the show twice. Um, you have, you have, yeah. Repeat guest. It was great. Yeah, no, and uh, and was happy to do it. I, you know, I thought uh, it was fun, and that show was entitled "The Modern Consumer Has Trust Issues," which uh, is true. Uh, that that actually holds <laughs> up, uh, and, and and actually could tie into some of the research uh, you've done that we're going to talk about. Uh, yeah, uh, definitely. Today. Yeah, yeah. Before we get to that, though, I'd love to do a little like storytelling story time little story time uh it's funny you you were actually technically our second guest on the show but you were our first merchant guest on future commerce um and i met you, you hear that carlos first merchant <laughs> guest carlos right it's true. Yeah. <laughs> it was uh it was i love well, and it was like it was kind of crazy i think we actually met if i recall correctly we met at the opening event of the first shop talk event uh first first shop talk um that could I, very I, well be i was a speaker at the first shop talk so uh, uh i was oh definitely God. there yep and uh i remember like bumping into you at one of the parties and i was like hey you're like in innovation i've got a lot of thoughts on this and i just like hit you with a barrage of ideas and you're like this is kind of fun like let's chat more <laughs> and uh that's how i think we we ended up getting you on the podcast uh which we had just uh we were just in the process of building at that point actually we hadn't even launched it yeah so yeah it was well, uh, it was great having you on <laughs> it was a happy to be a part of it and then we appreciate you uh uh, uh, coming on and, and uh, you know, offering some interesting uh, uh, content, uh, you know, for our show, uh, uh, as well as we try to uh, get in front of more eyeballs and, and listen to my more sets of ears uh, uh, as we grow this, uh, as we grow this platform. Sweet. So um, looking at my notes um you want to talk about how you ended up you know you know being a you know kind of a pundit uh i think that you know would be fair to say uh, uh and you have a partner uh, on the show as well and if you wanted to you know throw in a little bit about uh uh your partner and and how you guys met and, and decided to start all this it'd be great i think it'd be a good story yeah that's a, that's a good question so uh yeah like you mentioned, we started back in 2016. Um, Philip Jackson, uh, my co-founder, and I um, had met a few years prior. Um, we were both, uh, you know, consultants for for commerce. We had been heavily focused on Magento, which was like the hottest e-commerce platform at the time. Open source was owning the world, and um, you know, it, it was the it was like the the best and coolest way to get online back then. Um, and so uh, we met, actually, might have told this story one too many times now, but we met in like a backroom poker game in Vegas, and I insulted his card shuffling skills, and it, we became fast friends. <laughs> uh, and so, um, you know, we were both working at competitive consultancies at the time, and uh, but we, you know, we saw each other regularly at, at industry events and had been chatting, you know, offline uh, for a while and uh, just found the conversations that we were having were our favorite conversations we were having in the industry. Uh, Philip had already uh, 
started a very successful podcast, huge following, uh, some, something in the range of like 100,000 listens a month. Um, and uh, he, you know, he he was you know excited about the conversations we were having and it was kind of a no-brainer it was like these these are this is a way for us to work out our thoughts we should do this in public and um sort of um see what other people have to say about it all and uh we were talking about conversational commerce and uh you know voice and you know like things that were really cool back then um I, you know alexa hadn't really taken off at that point and you know it was all very very new and um, chat was still kind of in its infancy and um, you know so we we uh, you know eventually we we got something going and and uh, you know and, and it was kind of the rest was history we've really evolved a lot since then though and I would say about two years ago just over two years ago we really kind of um, really invested a lot we rebranded uh, we we launched a whole new set of content offerings including original research and reports and uh, so we we've been doing um, we've done several since uh, since we started that and uh, this report that we're going to talk about today is one of those reports where we've done original research uh, around a topic um, with partners uh, like gladly and Stella connect um, who are partners on this on this project. Excellent. Yeah. So, so let's let's jump in. Let's talk about the report. I mean, it it, it ju it's just come out, right? You know, so it's pretty pretty fresh uh, off the presses uh, at this point. Uh, it's uh, 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 you know, and we can share uh, uh, in the notes, uh, you know, uh, you know where you can go to sign up for it. Uh, it's pretty easy to get a hold of a copy uh, of it. You just ask for a little bit of, you know, email and you know your name and email and uh, title, you know, kind of stuff. And you know, you, it looks like you'll send a copy out. Um, and uh, it's entitled "Service is the New Storefront." Um, um, uh, is the name of the report. And you know, I have to tell you uh, that uh, I actually. Uh, just saw the report or managed, you know, to read the report today because I was reading the wrong report as I was prepping. <laughs> uh, for this oh, interview. No. Yeah. With your, uh, you know, with right point, which is a group you also uh, uh, work with yep. uh, as well. And, and I have to tell you, that was an interesting report, but it was not the report you wanted to talk about. So, uh, you know, so I, uh, I, I said, Carlos, we might need to, you know, we might need to postpone this so I can, you know, I can take it in, but then I opened <laughs> it, I opened it and I read it and I said, Oh, well, this is, uh, you know, pretty much, you know, could just I could just rebrand this as to Scott's philosophy of commerce, and it would, All right. it would fit the report. Uh, That's fantastic. You know, yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's beautiful, and it's uh, uh, it actually, uh, you know, I, I work with a company, Powerfront, and uh, everything that that report talks about is what we, you know, are going around telling people, uh, you know, uh, you know, is what's happening, and and you know, they need to be better. Uh, uh, as a result, so I'd, I'd lo I, I, I love the topic, uh, and ha and uh, uh, I love the op that we have the opportunity to deep dive on this with you. So really, there are three major takeaways in the report, right? Uh, 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 three major epiphanies, starting with uh, 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 people need help with a human touch. All right, yes. you, you want to you want to give us the ten thousand foot overview of of how you came to that. Uh, uh, that thought. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, I mean, I, I hope it's obvious that human touch is what really you know makes the difference between uh, a brand and and you know and just a, and 
just a retailer like you sells you things like that beyond the transaction like anyone can be a transactional these days you can get up on running on stripe or whatever you know whatever platform you want to get up and running on and you can get your products out there and you can put up a website on shopify like doing all those things is it's actually pretty simple um and you know even if you've never been involved in commerce you can create something that's transactional pretty easily um but what really sets a brand apart and and it's not even their own story. It's their relationship with their customer. Um, I think we we talk about brand, and often when we think about brand, we think, oh, you know, that's all about us. It's all about who we are. It's all about you know what it is that we're doing. But but the the reality is, and and we've been saying this uh, for for several years now, um, your relationship with your customer supersedes any brand story that you have. Um, you your relationship with your customer like. If you can't fulfill on that on that promise and 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 you know have a relationship with them, then your brand really it doesn't mean much. Um, and so, <laughs> the the problem with digital commerce and you know e-commerce is that it seems to have removed this this part of the equation for most people. So, if you think back to you know the internet and, and when we first you know first got to e-commerce we're like oh great we can put our catalogs up on the you know on something that everyone can view <laughs> and we were like oh you know actually like scrolling through infinite pages like probably not the best way to do this like we need to organize it all and figure out how it all works so we built a taxonomy and we built you know, standard icons, and we built sort of like a, a general idea that everyone could sort of work through. Um, and, and, you know, ultimately, we sort of landed uh, at like a UX that we could all sort of agree on. It was like, okay, we all get how to do this. But then we were like, well, this is all well and good. People can now find products. And, you know, we, we're, we're good at, you know, sort of sorting through catalogs online, but it's boring. Like, this isn't compelling in any way. And so we became all about, you know, the experience. And so we built these beautiful e-commerce websites and we inserted all of our great content in and we, we made it all work together. And, um, you know, content plus commerce and all of that sort of stuff kind of all came together. And, and, and then people were like, wow, these are amazing. They're really cool. But... The reality is still missing something that we've got we that we spent 50 years building up as a retail organization as a retail industry which was the connection to people people to people <laughs> um and so you know the you know up into the 90s and 2000s a lot of retail was about how do we build an in-store experience that gives people that opportunity to you know to really get to know their 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 sales associates and build connection and um, and clientele and do all those things, but we've completely ignored all that online. And so the next iteration of the web is making sure that there is a human connection. That digital doesn't mean disconnected, you know, disconnection. <laughs> it means actually better human connection because we can do it in native ways that we can, you know, and connect people in, in more meaningful relationship through tools that are common to um, typical relationships, like texting and chatting and, you know, switching conversations between mediums and, and not forgetting what we said before and having information that makes sense. Um, 
and building real relationships and being able to do this at scale um, with the, with technology and with data to back that up. And so that's this next iteration of commerce. And that's and so I think in the process of trying to optimize the web in the past, we've done all of this work to try and uh, make things as slick and frictionless as possible because that's what is natural to consumers and and like gets them through the funnel as fast as possible and gets our money in their or their money in our pocket as early as possible um, and we've created all of these like systems to do that well in order to have an actual human connection perhaps there needs to be moments where we pause and there is a moment of friction um, not all friction is good, and this is something that we really get into in the report. And I'm, I'm, I've, I've gone on for a long while here, but I wanna, I wanna uh, let, give you a chance to. to, to yeah, let's, let me. But I, let me stop I wanna, you. What, the the one thing that I want to say is that positive friction versus you know bad friction is one of the big things that we focus. Good friction versus bad friction. And, and understanding what, what that looks like and understanding what's good and what's bad is a big part of, of what uh, the opportunity is here. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I definitely want to touch on that. I, and I thought that was one of the more interesting uh, uh, areas of the report uh, was the discussion on friction. But I'm going to back it up uh, for yeah, a yeah, minute. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, go back to this uh, – treating you know digital like a you know uh, uh tre treating your e-commerce like a big digital catalog uh you know i think uh you know definitely i was uh, uh i'm in an agreement that that's not the uh, that's not the right way to treat your customer and, and in fact uh you know i've been saying for some time that uh, you know digital customers were getting treated like second class citizens compared to uh, yes. customers walking in the store. And, you know, I can use my own past experience with a very prominent retailer, uh, you know, to, to make that analogy, uh, at least at the time, right? You know, uh, uh, you know at the time, uh, what, uh, you know, an online customer got was not the same as what an in-store customer got, who the in-store customer got the relationship thing and the, uh, you know, the happy birthday call from their sales associate and, uh, uh, you know, kind of, uh, uh, you know, lots of perks and white glove, you know, kind of service that kept bringing them back uh, to the store, you know, were, were not adequately replaced by the fact that, yeah, I got some, I got some loyalty points for shopping uh, you know, when I was online, uh, but, uh, you know, when I needed, uh, you know, to talk to somebody or I needed help, it wasn't the same, you know, uh, the same level, uh, available just because of the way it was executed. Right. Uh, you know, exactly. some cases. so if you think about, uh, you know, if, if it, I, I think you and I agree that essentially, uh, you know, the right approach, you know, the commerce is, is, is to deliver that same level of, service that you get in a face-to-face -face situation. That's the trick, you know, and yep. uh, uh, so who, who out there is, uh, you know, on the right path, who's doing this well today? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, you know, I, I had a really phenomenal experience with Saucony recently. Um, they did a really nice job of, of actually being a coach to me as I went to purchase shoes. So actually, um, 
I actually I made the purchase ahead of time before I chatted with anyone because no one right now at this moment is like, oh, when I want to go shop on someone's site, the first thing I'm going to do is chat with somebody. Um, that's not our gut instinct yet. Yet. I do think that's coming. Um, but I went on there. So I, I got a pair of shoes. They didn't fit me quite right. Um, I went to try and exchange them and talk with someone. And someone, someone on the other end um, gave me incredibly great advice. So I started chatting with them. They're like, I did like the little automated workflow. It was like return, return process. Um, and they, um, they, they were talking to me about uh, like, like why, why are you returning this item? And I was like, yeah, they seem too tight. I think that they're they're not gonna, you know they're not going to fit, and they said, "Oh, did you try a half size up?" And I was like, "Well, I've tried half size up um, on other shoes before. I don't think it's going to work with Saucony." And they're like, "Yeah." And honestly, and this is the part that I really liked. This is the part that is going to have me back to Saucony again, uh, not too long from now. Um, they said that shoe is not going to loosen up on you if it's too tight. Now it's going to continue to be too tight. Mm -hmm. um, and I know this based on experience. And providing that little tidbit to me made me be the, the difference between an, an unhappy customer and a happy customer because I knew I needed to return that product. There was no way it was going to end up working for me. Yeah, they weren't trying, I, to, they weren't trying to keep talking to keeping a product you weren't going to like. Right. And I said, well, yeah, I love Saucony. My favorite are Canvaras. I have an older version. I'm going to need to update soon. They're like, yes, when you're ready to update that shoe, you should buy it again because that's going to be a like the, like a really good shoe for you. And I will. I'm going to buy another pair of Canvaras at some point not too far from now. I can't wait for it. Um, and so as a, it was a really good where they gave me good advice. It, the flow on their chat worked really, really well. They connected me with a real person who was actually knowledgeable. Mm -hmm. um, to me, that's a huge part of this. Now, that's that's just one example. There are other great examples out there. I had experience with T-Mobile, where I had the exact same purchasing handle my customer care calls three calls in a row. Same person. That was also a really, really phenomenal. Was that, so you think that was by design? I mean, you know, that's how their system routed. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. So they have that's customer cool. care really teams. Cool. It is really cool. They have customer care teams that are dedicated to customers and if they can get you to the same person they will um or at least that's how it was about a year ago um, so, that's so, when that happened. so, so if, I may, if i just may ask do you think they have like dedicated squads in that sense yes in fact they have made a big deal about that on their yeah. website like they have a dedicated team for you that's your customer care team that's really um, smart yeah in fact one of the insights that we had and i'm gonna have to find the right page here but it basically said, I think it was, um, yes, 79% uh, of respondents uh, said that rated as important or very important that they have a single point of contact empowered to solve my issue. That is to say, like, a consistent point of contact that they can go back to and talk to again. Um, and that's huge. I, like, I think um, if that's, uh, uh, the, if you have the ability to do that, I guarantee you, you're going to have the ability to turn your customer service channel into a sales channel mm. because that person yeah. can be able to start to make recommendations. And that's yeah. a big part of the opportunity here is loyalty and sales. Like instead of looking at service as a cost center, you'll be able to look at 
service as a revenue driver, which is a totally new, like I think, uh, mindset for a lot of uh, e-commerce customer service teams. And, and really what you're addressing here is your second uh, takeaway in the report, which is consumers recognize that brand experiences influence brand perceptions, right? That it's uh, right. Uh, that these that these things are important uh, and they can and they're going to contribute to the lifetime value and all the you know, the uh, you know, other things uh, that are important to you about, you know, uh, uh, about this customer. Um, the. Uh, yes. Can I tell a story around this? Yeah, please do. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. So um, my dad was a huge, he, he loved to go find uh, like new wines and interesting wines. And he shopped a ton at Costco. And uh, he shopped at a specific Costco because Costco, you know, there's usually only one that you're close to. You don't end up at a, right. another Costco. And so he would go into Costco and he'd spend a lot of money in wine at Costco. And he got to know the wine steward there a lot. In fact, this wine steward would make time for him, significant time, probably more time than he should have, <laughs> um, because my dad was a chatter. Uh, but it, it kept my dad coming back, and the like the, the the net effect was my dad would actually go and make recommendations to to a whole bunch of other people who would then go buy the wine that my dad and this wine steward would chat about to the point where they like exchanged phone numbers. And the wine steward at Costco would actually text my dad tasting notes back and forth with each other. Yeah. And they actually developed like a 15 plus year relationship of like wine experience that they would chat back and forth about. And when my dad passed away, the wine steward from Costco came to my dad's funeral. Wow. 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 Th that is so. So the, the, the net. The net effect of that is I am actually a very loyal wine shopper at Costco. <laughs> and I know a number of other people in my dad's circles because he was um, a naturally like community minded person who also are like, who actually have a relationship with this wine steward at Costco. The, the, the brand, the brand value there. Is and now I'm telling the story on this podcast, and I've told it on ours as well. The brand value of that relationship is like almost limitless in my mind. Um, mm -hmm. And I and I'm a loyal Costco shopper to this day, and I have a huge respect for the brand for 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 that and for many other reasons. They do so many things right, but um, I, the positive customer experience leads to increased revenue is really clear when you're in store. Because you have, it's very easy to see what a relationship looks like. Um, positive customer experience online is a little bit harder for us to quantify right now. And we've done a really bad job of developing real relationships that look like the one that my dad had at the Costco wine steward. Um, and that's what, honestly, so I wrote an article back in, uh, back in 2019 uh, on, on, uh, not all friction is bad. That's where the, a lot of these thoughts sort of in, initially came from. And that came through me thinking through this experience that my dad had with Costco and, and thinking about what that meant for online. And I think that this is, uh, this is what we're looking for here is building a real relationship that influences a perception of brands that ultimately results in more sales. Yeah, it's many, many faceted, uh, uh, it's a complicated, a complex relationship uh, a brand has with their customers is, is what this ends up being, right? It's more 
then, uh, you know, yes, having the right product at the right price is important, but it's just one piece of the important stuff. It is. Yeah. If your customer is on a texting basis with, with someone that they met through your customer service experience on online and, they, and it's a consistent relationship, think about that versus every other customer experience you've ever had with someone online. <laughs> Um, let's let me uh, uh, return to a statement you made uh, uh, a few minutes ago uh, as we were chatting on uh, chat being important but not necessarily top of mind for everyone. You know when they're looking for how to connect, yeah, uh, uh, to a brand. So so what are the important touch points? You know for the for today's customer and, and is this a battle of the boomers versus the millennials or the millennials versus someone else that's helping to decide this or you know what's what are the what are the factors on how you want to communicate yeah so i, I mean i think there's some ones that are consistent across uh across everyone so here's some things that we found with our report so there's the, we talked about good versus friction versus bad friction right and so Certain kinds of, of ways of engagement online are really annoying to customers. If you go download the report, um, futurecommerce.fm forward slash services, the new storefront, um, you'll see a, a chart that sort of like separates the two, like what's good interaction versus what's bad interaction. And um, if you have to go hunt for answers about a product in an FAQ, nobody likes that. That's a last resort. Like that's that where you've you're 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 digging the bottom of the barrel, and oftentimes the answer is not even there that you're looking for. Um, so no one likes that. No one likes to have to go to a help section and dig through documentation that's organized in a really like like business like format that's not suited for customers, um, and dig through a bunch of you know documents and find what they need. The next thing that also like no one really likes, and um, I recently saw it, I wish I remembered where I saw this, but I think it was in Wall Street Journal. There are two different types of uh, experiences with online chatbots. Um, and the ones that are too presumptuous seem to like cause a lot of people heartburn. Also the ones that stay in an AI experience for too long and people feel like they can't get to a person when they want to also create problems. Everyone expects a, a little bit of itch, like a little bit of maybe automated messaging, but like eventually it gets really frustrating. <laughs> um, so that's bad. That's the bad. Those are the bad ones. Email kind of falls right on the line because everyone expects it and everyone knows it's going to happen. And like in like they, they're fine with it. Then you start to get into like actually good chat experiences um, or phone calls or social media interaction. And then, yes, I think social media is probably still a little bit uh, generation dependent, although I will say I would I would say mostly you know, if you're, if you're going to interact with boomers, it's probably going to be on Facebook, maybe Instagram. Mm -hmm. um, most of like Gen Z uh, is, is now like well off of, of Facebook. In fact, I hardly use Facebook and I'm a millennial. I know that m millennials are even struggling with Facebook right now. And a lot of them have moved off to, mostly to Instagram, um, although some are on emerging platforms as well, like TikTok and and then phone seems to continue to be a, a really strong way to interact with people. People, you know, the, the, I think that, you know, 
there's a still a, a large chunk of people that'll be happy to pick up the phone. There are definitely generational trends, and it's interesting. Millennials actually really hated getting on the phone. <laughs> um, although I think that as they started to age, and, and, and it'd be interesting to find data on this, I have a feeling that they're actually coming around to it. Um, but uh, I, I think phone is one of those things that people, you know, if they are feeling like they need to talk to somebody, that's usually a sign that that you're you're definitely going to want to put someone on the phone with them. Because um, that's again like a little bit of like a, a resort type situation. Um, so um, you can go check out the report and see where the good friction and the bad friction is. And there's definitely good ways of doing these things and bad ways of doing these things. So I do, I don't want to say oh yeah like phones just going to be the, a great way to talk to people. Like if you do it in a bad way, it's going to be a miserable experience. You can still create well, bad friction there. <laughs> the other the other thing to consider, right? You know, is if. Uh, you know, from a brand's perspective, I want to be able to have these great conversations, these good friction moments uh, with as many customers as possible. And guess what? You know, phone is a synchronous uh, operator yep. can deal with one person at a time Correct. method uh, and online chat and, and, and even email. Uh, I can handle multiple personal conversations, right? Uh, yep. Uh, so, so I get more bang for my buck out of that, you know, great customer service agent that's really good at what he or she does, uh, uh, as opposed to that, you know, I can deal with one person at a time. Yeah. Only if you empower them to actually have those conversations though, and only if those people are actually knowledgeable because SMS and chat are a very easy places to provide a frustrating experience. Um, if, if the if the if the agent's not empowered to actually do anything, then or doesn't have the right information at their fingertips, or perhaps there was prior customer communication that's not available to that chat or or SMS operator, and it feels to the customer like they're starting over from scratch and it's not a continuous conversation, that can end up being a really bad experience. So just just because they're scalable doesn't mean that they're necessarily better. They have to have the right tools in place um, and to, to be able to give that good experience. You know, one of the things I do when I'm testing whether chat is going to be a good experience or not uh, is I make sure I have a product page up. I make sure I've put, uh, you know, an item in my cart and I ask questions about the product in the cart. Right. You know, I say, mm. does this come in another color? Uh, can, uh, can you see the item in my cart? You know, and, and you know, for... Uh, you know, when they give me the, you know, if they tell me no, you know, they have no visibility into, you know, any of that stuff, you know, and it's like, okay, so it's, this is the, this is not going to be good. <laughs> of, of cat, right? You know, and, yep. uh, uh, you know, it's going to be disappointing. It's going to be a disappointing experience and it's going to involve uh, playing 20 questions to get to where uh, we need to be to get my, you know, to get, to get me the help I need. Number one, and it probably means that the next time I come on and ask for a chat, we get to start all over. Exactly. Uh, well, yeah, which is all so, bad, bad. That's all bad, exactly. You yeah. know, here's a really interesting stat that I think that there's a, there's a few ones I want to throw out from the report that I think were, will shed additional light on this. 70% of respondents felt that the interacting with a CX agent is basically the same as interacting with an in-store salesperson. That is a, is a mind-boggling number because imagine if in-store salespeople were able to do what you do on chat right now. <laughs> um, 
like it would be a really frustrating in-store experience. People would be like, don't ever go to that store. No one is able to help you at all. <laughs> um, so that can you, uh, me, can you give me the item number? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh yeah, like I like I I'm gonna have to go check our systems for that information. <laughs> like, um, it's 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 tough. So, um, the the other thing that I think was really interesting is ninety percent of co consumers have not engaged with CX before an online purchase. So they actually have like no had no brand inter inter interaction uh, from from like at least an e-commerce CX experience prior to making that purchase, which I see as a huge opportunity because if you look at the other data in our report, being able to have that like interaction upfront is going to significantly increase your odds of increasing sales. And so like right now, like I talked about how chat wasn't the first interaction point. 90% of people would agree with that. Like they're not interacting with chat ahead of the purchase. Um, so if, if you, if you take this sort of into consideration, the opportunity is actually gigantic. Um, so start looking for opportunities. I would say, uh, for operators that are listening to this, to me, that's one of the biggest and best places you could be looking for opportunities to improve sales on your site, looking for ways to get people to interact with your, your CX team. It's almost mm -hmm. like, it's like, you know, gen one is, uh, you know, online online interaction was just support, right? Yes. It was just yep. it was just it was it was basically a glorified ticketing yep. uh, uh, interaction, yes. right? Uh, as opposed to uh, elevating those agents to be actual sales associates. Yes. Um, so turns out, and I, I preached this when I was on the retail side of things, and you know, it turns out that. You know that the the the, the the customer service group wasn't built, uh, you know, in a way that uh, 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 the agents could be successful sales associates. They needed uh, they needed in some cases different people, uh, but in other cases they just they needed different training. You know, they didn't have the right training uh, uh, necessarily to be associates, sales associates. Um, so. Uh, uh, I, you know, I guess I'm just, you know, you're preaching to the choir for me, you know, with the yeah. things that you just said, I think so. Totally. No, I, and of course I would expect nothing less from you, Scott. <laughs> well, um, let's, 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 you know, friction has come up over and over again as we've talked today. So, yeah. um, uh, give me some examples of bad friction. Yeah. So bad friction would be things like, you go into a checkout experience, you fill out all of your information, you hit the back button and everything's gone. So a lot of one page yeah. checkouts, we talk about one page checkout being this amazing thing. But but like the problem is you're often putting all of your information in there and most systems don't have a way to like retain that. And then you go back and you come forward again. And it's like, I just filled all of that out. <laughs> that out. Like, um, that would be an example of really bad friction in my that opinion. Is, that is a, a real uh, butt whip. <laughs> what you just described, actually. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and then you, talk, you talked about the help section and, and too much, uh, you know, AI. Uh, yep. you know, there, I, I, I completely agree that, you know, uh, AI is, is great to sort of uh, help uh, increase the volume of, of uh, conversations and kind of quick wins you can have, but... There always needs to be an exit to a human. 
Uh, or even a planned a planned move towards human. Because, like, I think that's even better. And that's the, the experience I had on Saucony. I felt like I'm pretty sure it was just a chatbot when I first engaged. But it definitely led me to a human. I don't even know when the transition happened. <laughs> um, so I, I thought that was interesting. Um, uh, uh, so... I think on so on the on the good friction side of things though stuff like um, like quizzes or information building opt-in opportunities to give like and using those as leading in like um, leading uh, uh, click-throughs for your your homepage uh, leading um, opportunities for engagement and so instead of having a hero page you have your quiz as your main opportunity to like when you first land on your page as an opportunity for for your customers to say oh like i want to invest in this myself like i want the company to know more about me so that i can get a better experience with them mm -hmm. um i think those kinds of opportunities and we look at like care of care of uh who was acquired recently by bayer um they 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 led with their quiz so that they could give you a better experience with their products um, and and personalize them for you. Um, I think that's that's a great opportunity for relationship building because the customer saying, "Oh yeah, I'm opting into giving this information, um, and I want you to help me." Um, another good example of this would be very thoughtful uh, opportunities for chat. Not just like some chat bubble that pops up and says live chat. Hey, you can chat with us. Like, yeah, come chat with us. Um, which happens all the time, and then it makes a blip on my on my like. <laughs> I've opted into noises on that website. It drives me nuts, actually. Um, but but more like, hey, like I've seen you lingering on this product. Do you need help with it? Or hey, I've seen you've done some searches for this product. Can I help you with that? Or hey, like maybe when it first you first join, like. Uh, as you go through the quiz that you've you've entered into, like you have an opportunity to opt into live chat, and there's logical questions that come in from live chat that are a part of the quiz, things like that. Um, yeah, we call we call that proactive chat. That's uh, I mean, so and, and now for a commercial interruption from PowerPoint, <laughs> we did all those things that you know the good things that Brian said. Thank you very much. So yeah, nice. the, the, the proactive thing, right? You know, where you can jump in. Uh, at the at the right time, you know, uh, uh, you know, with with more than just a how can I help you with you know something that is relevant to this customer's journey across uh, you know their their touch points with you. Um, uh, can it, we've seen the conversion rates skyrocket? I mean, they're, yes. they're unbelievable. Uh, how much better the conversation gets. Not, not to mention L, like LTV or um, uh, your, your CLV. Yeah, like yeah, because what you're really doing when you get into those chat situations is you're opening up a dialogue, mm -hmm. and and you're opening up an opportunity to have discourse with your customer. And so, to me, those are invaluable because it's actually not just you investing in your customer; it's your customer investing in you, and telling you information willingly and saying, "Let's get, let's have a relationship around something which can lead to, like." You know, breaking that into a bigger relationship that that, that something that's going to last for longer than just a just a single conversion. Um, yeah, you know, I think huge. it means a much bigger investment in your on your agent side in terms of 
you know, making sure that they understand the, you know, the, the, the product line and, and the nuances of product, right? You know, I, a lot of customer service agents may not, may not have that, uh, uh, that intimate knowledge uh, of product, right? Yes. Uh, investing in this means investing in your employees. Actually, investing in your employees first. Like before, potentially before you do anything else, investing in your employees and, and, and giving them the tools and the freedom and the empowerment to be able to do the things like that wine steward did at Costco for my dad. Mm-hmm. And take a little extra moment with him and not necessarily just try to decrease you know there's that, that metric out there and i'm gonna butcher what it what it, what everyone calls the common term for it, but decrease your call time decrease your time to resolution that actually isn't always the best thing for making a sale and building clv <laughs> um i think i think you can do both i you know i i think there are are methodologies that can be applied that allow you you know i mean look I, I, a, a retailer is always is a business, always a business. So there's always going to be that that pressure to you know do more with less. There's that's just a fact of life. There'll always be that pressure to do more with less. Uh, so what tools can you bring to bear so that when you do more with less, you're not shortchanging uh, uh, your customer experience? You know, is really the is that's the the balancing act, right? There's the trick. Yes, or also adding metrics that would help sort of counterbalance that decrease in, 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 uh, in resolution time. So let's say it's like a, a, a customer service reps, um, like their, their resolution time might be a little bit higher, but their influence sales were also higher. Like having, having ways to measure those uh, customer service reps that says, okay, time to resolution is not everything. It's not the only metric by which we say we're being successful. We're going to add different metrics like satisfaction and sales as additional ways of looking. And obviously, a lot of uh, customer service orgs are not only looking at resolution times. But um, I think there's something there that could be refined, and it's organization dependent as well. And so I agree with you, Scott. I think both can happen, especially when you start to employ good technology to assist with this. And this this is where you can actually, again, get rid of bad friction in the customer service interaction. Things like not having the information on hand that you need or having all the history of the prior conversation that has happened. And, and then be able to decrease resolution time will increase the connection with the customer. Um, so yeah, I think you're right, both can happen. You know, you wrap this report up with three statements with the first one being, uh, you, know, uh, you know, I'm gonna have to steal for sure, uh, which is digital is not shorthand for dehumanized. App, please, thank you. Hmm. Uh, uh, you know, thank you for saying that. <laughs> um, uh, just because you want to have, you know, offer, uh, you know, a great a, a digital experience doesn't mean that it's all uh, robots and and recommendation engines. That's that's a given. Totally a given. Absolutely. Personalization yep. drives satisfaction across channels, and and you know, let, I, let me go one step further uh, from that, and that is that uh, uh, personalization is not. Uh, the same as personal, mm. uh, and so uh, uh, you know, I think I think you have to uh, to strive for personal. 
I love that. I totally, I, I'm, I'm going to go back and edit the report. Person, yeah, personal. <laughs> personal is the way to go. I like yeah, that yeah, word. You don't necessarily have to do that, but you know, I, you know, I think that <laughs> I, I think a lot of the, you know, the 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 marketing folks, you know, uh, they they get really good technology and really good at personalization, and somehow the 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 actual personal relationship gets lost uh, totally uh, in all of that. And then the last uh, takeaway you get, you leave us with is good CX leads to revenue growth and brand affinity, uh, which everybody, that's what we're all trying to get to, right? Right. I think that that's, you know, it, we had one, one stat, you know, positive CX leads to increased revenue and brand affinity. Uh, that was an earlier slide as well. 87% of respondents said they, they felt that um, more loyal to a retailer brand if they had a positive CX. No, I, think, I think you have to uh, to strive for personal. Somehow I'm <laughs> echoing here. <laughs> Echo, that's a very delayed my voice, echo. My voice, my voice from the past, uh, <laughs> like ten seconds ago. That was back weird. to the future. Yeah. Uh, no, it's 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 so true. Um, I think that's the the one of the biggest takeaways here is you know this is. That, that you know, it's it's both long term loyalty and more dollars spent. Um, are you going to see that if you if you can create these experiences online? W one thing that we put into a prior report um, that we did a, res a research uh, study um, right in the middle of the pandemic back in July, and uh, one of the big things that we saw coming out of that was uh, just this you know huge increase to digital purchasing during the pandemic like it was it was such a big swing it was obviously due for some regression but at some of it's sticking a good chunk of that is sticky um and we saw during the height of the pandemic like 50 percent of online transactions or of, of uh sales were coming through online through digital um something something to. was crazy yeah they had to exactly that means that if 50 percent of your transactions are digital, which not all of the, not all retailers right now out there are going to have that. But that means that digital is your true flagship, probably the biggest flagship you have ever had. Mm -hmm. It is the largest way you're going to touch your customers. And in fact, even if people are not making digital purchases, they're being influenced by your site and making purchases in store, and there's some incredible stats out there about that, and more to come on that in future commerce in, in coming months. Um, but the the key here is if this is your biggest flagship, you should be applying the most money and the best training to your people. You should have the best representation of your brand in digital. So yeah, you know, we uh, the last episode we recorded was with Jason Goldberg, the the retail geek, and oh, yes. uh, he and he said some very similar things about uh, uh, you know your your digital commerce site being your 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 biggest door, your number mm -hmm. one gateway. Uh, it was your gateway store, uh, and you know, as someone who was involved in building a huge. Uh, 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 gateway store in New York City when uh, we were building Hudson Yards uh, and watch that, you know, over two years evaporate to, you know, its Facebook offices now. Uh, uh, yeah, have lived that, right? Have lived yeah. the, that, that, that change of the changing of the guard, if you will, and that, that, uh, that change of balance to uh, digital really driving a much more important 
uh, playing a much more important role in the business. Now, you know, I, I know we're getting uh, uh, short on time and I, you know, really gave Carlos no chance to, you know, ask <laughs> no. anything. Do uh, uh, you have anything you'd like to ask, Carlos? Oh, congratulations, guys. <laughs> no, no, it, it's, it's been, uh, it's, you know, like I'm doing these episodes with Scott um, and it's, it's very interesting because I'm, I'm Brazilian and I'm based in Denmark. And this one in special, like, uh, you know, it's it's truly like a North American. I mean, it's a global thing that you guys are talking about. But so uh, I, I felt that I had no right and I wouldn't come up with any, you know, uh, interesting oh, well, comments. Whatever. So That's it's, it's like, no, like more more like learning. I'm, I'm just like sucking into so much knowledge here that is I, I really enjoyed, uh, you know, listening to you guys. So. So that's also, that's what I wanted to say. But uh, yeah, really, really nice discussion, guys. Um, um, yeah, I, I, I think we, we should do a follow-up because in the report, if I'm, I may say something, there's something that you, you guys talk about. Um, it's not customer service, it's service, right? Being more important now. And if I may ask you, what's changed then? Because in my opinion, uh, service has always been very relevant. For uh, for everyone here, right? But is it? Do you think the pandemics changed, and also the uh, let's say technological landscape? Maybe a question uh, to you both, because um, yeah, Scott has been on that front as well. Uh, you too. So I think it's always been important. But are we more prepared now to to sort of you know give that service, or people are more like uh, impatient? What, what's what's the take here? You want to take that first, Scott, or you want me to? <laughs> I'll let you. I'll let you take it. All right. So, I think you're absolutely right. Service has always been at the forefront. That's why we had such an incredible discipline that we built around service in in you know in store for so long. And and it's actually, I think, digital sort of led us away from that. Is mm. what is what happened. I I think we saw the the or, and, and technology in general. We saw the ability to scale systems. And, and reach more people uh, through through technology and and as a result we sort of got away from it to some degree you know sort of even a little bit pre-internet we saw that you know happen as we as we created um, mass market brands at further scale and more scale and you know and 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 you know um, made it easier for just you know anyone to engage in the systems not necessarily in the selling. Right. Um, and so um, I agree with you that service is, has always and always will be the leading the like the leading thing. And so what we're seeing right now is that that we we sort of skated by because we still had in store as like the main purchasing channel for retail for so long, mm -hmm. um, even leading up to the pandemic. Most shopping was still done in person, and so. I think we sort of leaned on the fact that people were going to come into the store at some point and lost track of the fact that digital is actually the best place to introduce good service up front and just really hadn't got to a, a point with technology even really where we had had seen like the ability to 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 create good experiences in the way that we needed to to lead to some of these um, these outcomes. And so um, I think we've, we finally got their technology. There's a, there's a lot of good technology out here that we've kind of mentioned on the call already um, that I think will empower the ability to create these experiences. And it's going to be necessary to have that technology in place if you want to provide that sort of 
best and classy experience online. I mean, you can do it in a simple way too, for sure, and, and just and limit your channels. But um, the bigger you get, I think the more complex it gets, and so you need tools like this to be able to do that. And so technology is kind of caught up. We've also been forced to to see that service was just as important online as it was in store. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So um, futurecommerce.fm, it's chock full of uh, uh, five years of episodes of uh, uh, the Future Commerce podcast, uh, as well as many articles uh, 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 of interest. You know, a I was reading a couple before the show. Uh, I was looking at marketing as a relationship that's till death do us part that I thought was really interesting. And uh, uh, I was also looking at another one about sacrificial lambs and, you know, how the early how early adopters of the technology you were just describing aren't necessarily the, the big winners. Right. Yep. Uh, uh, just, you know, just because I was, you know, first to the, to the doors, you know, I end up being a learning lesson for, <laughs> for later. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I personally uh, personally. Uh, participated in that. So um, I think uh, uh, we're about out of time uh, at this point. So we're going to say thank you and, and hope for the opportunity to schedule uh, you on to a future uh, uh, episode and we can continue uh, the conversation uh, if you're up for it. So thank I'd you. I'd so love that. Thank you for having me, both okay. Scott and Carlos. It's been a true pleasure talking with both of you. Right. And uh, thank you. thanks for listening. Thank you, thanks, sir. Man.